This episode of the Thrive Life Podcast is presented to you by Roar Alexander, powered by Thrive Life International and home of the Thrive Life Challenge. Get ready to discover everything you want to know about fitness, nutrition, and optimized healthy lifestyle hacks to help you truly earn your Thrive Life. Also, be sure to keep up with War at www.waralexander.com and share the Thrive Life podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or the Thrive Life podcast page on Facebook. Now, with no further delay, let's get on to the show. Thrive Life Podcast. I'm your host, Roy Alexander. Big thank you for joining me today. I have a great show coming up for you. But I'm going to tell you this. Before you listen to today's show, make sure you go back and you listen to the last show, Two Feet in a Heartbeat, The Importance of Walking, the most underrated exercise in the world. So uh, because today we're going to be spending a lot of time, I'm talking with uh, Julia Plevin, the founder of the Forest Bathing Club out of California, and we're going to be discussing a lot when it comes to walking and just getting out there in nature. But before you go to that, just even, I need you to understand just the basics of just leaving your house just to go for a daily stroll. Now, if you don't know what forest bathing is, we we also break into it on that podcast I discuss it there as well as some other things such as earthing or grounding so that's gonna be a really good episode for you to listen to I kind of think of these as two parts part one is more just walking uh, in general and just kind of you know just in your general community and just even around your house the second part now is where we're getting more into the details of forest bathing in nature so we had Julia Plevin like I said she was great and joined us from California the day before the day before Christmas so that was awesome so we're gonna be jumping straight into that I don't want to spend a lot of time today wasting much time uh, just to give you a couple updates on what's going on with me um, like I said just planning on moving back to Vancouver so that's coming up very quickly time is flying now now I have a ton of great stuff I got planned for Canada uh, in fact when it comes to fitness education uh, exercise skills health education uh, the things that I have in store for Vancouver are they are second to none. I'm going to be honest. I've traveled the world a lot, and I've seen when it comes to fitness education, and there is not a lot of stuff out there. I mean, there's lots of little here and there courses, but nobody is doing what I will be doing. Now, I'm not doing it alone, obviously. One of the great things about being back in Vancouver, back in North America, is the amazing number of awesome fitness and health professionals and go-getters out there over here in Asia uh, that you, you know I, would, I don't know if you've been here but there's just not a lot of go-getters I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue I'm not gonna say it there's a lot of people here um, so far I have not been able to count on really anybody it's it's pretty bad but you know I, I'd have to say overall Southeast Asia particularly does draw a certain kind of person um, at least the people who voluntarily come out here. I'm not talking about people that get sent out here because the people that get sent out here by the companies, I mean, they're, they're here in their own careers. They got stuff going on. No, I'm talking about the people who voluntarily come out here, the people who move out here. Um, fact is, it's not called the Southeast Asian dream. Uh, you know, it's called the American dream. So uh, the fact is, I'm looking forward to going back to the West and really getting back in there with the, the high-end people, the people that, the movers and shakers that are making things happen. And I have an amazing team coming into place right now a master training team unfortunately i really can't talk about it because in this industry people will steal your ideas um, but the stuff i have guys is second to none i'm promising you i've been i've traveled around the world i've seen it all i know every institution every educational organization out there and this stuff is going to blow everybody out of the water so 
Of course, I cannot do it without my amazing master training team that I'm putting together, as well as my amazing advisory board team, including a lot of people that have been on this podcast. Uh, you know, Brad Thorpe, the isometrics master, he's going to be coming on there. Paul Plakis is going to be coming on there. Ramona, they're all joining my advisory team. So lots of great stuff coming up for Vancouver. So, uh, and the rest of Canada, I should say, and then uh, North America as well, of course. So uh, just know it, guys, that I'm coming back and I'm coming back loud and hard. But anyways, getting on to uh, the lighter stuff, let's talk about forest bathing with uh, Julia Plevin. This was an awesome episode. Forest bathing something I'm really interested in, particularly I'll be heading over to Japan before I come back to North America to do a little bit of research myself on A, their longevity, and B, how forest bathing plays a part in that. So I'm definitely going to be hooking up a trip to Japan before I head back to uh, North America. That one, that that is a must. That is a, you know, that that's something I have to do. Uh, we'll throw it on the credit card or whatever, but I got to get over to Japan at least for a few days. So check that out. So, really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and it's it's about 45 minutes long. I think you guys will get a lot out of it. So again, make sure please to tell all your friends, your coworkers, everybody else to tune in to the Thrive Life podcast. Got great numbers and guests coming up for you. And now, also. If you don't know, if you don't follow the, uh, if you don't follow my stuff, well, a you should at www.royalexander.com. But I've also released a new format of a vodcast, so that is like a video podcast, and that is the Thrive Life Active vodcast and that is entirely on video entirely through youtube so if you don't know where to find us on youtube again you just look up roy alexander on youtube you'll find me there's a playlist there for the thrive life podcast where you'll see video versions of these audio podcasts but as well there's a new playlist called thrive life active and on that just out this week is my very first interview is former ufc champion and current vice president of one championship Asia's biggest MMA organization based out of Singapore. I caught up with Rich Franklin himself in Bangkok, Thailand, where we talked about his new search for the new next wave of Asian MMA fighters and with his one championships, one warrior search. So make sure you guys check that out as well. If you love MMA, if you love Asian MMA, if you just maybe you're just a fan of Rich Franklin, then make sure you check that out, guys. It's a lot of fun. It's not very long. These are much shorter. They only tend to be between about 10 and 20 minutes what they are is mostly catching up with coaches and trainers spotlighting different gyms or different retreats just awesome stuff but they involve usually a little more on the practical side a little more on the strength side so a little more on the uh, I guess just a little more on the activity side. The podcasts tend to be a lot of talking and we discuss ideas and we discuss thoughts. Well, um, yeah, on that, you know, on the video podcast, it's going to be a lot more interactive uh, and more stuff for you to do. So to give you an example, we have uh, Dr. Emily Schippel who is actually going to be meeting up with very soon. In about two weeks, she's going to be the next episode of the Thrive Life podcast where we're going to be doing enough. You remember her. She was on an audio episode of the Thrive Life podcast, this podcast right here, where we talked about everything that was to do with barefoot training, barefoot living. Well, now what we're going to do is we're going to get together and we're going to show you some barefoot exercises you can do at home and just different ways you can train your feet starting at home and just how you can incorporate being barefoot into your day, into your life and into the life of others because there's nothing better than being barefoot. So that's going to be coming up. I believe I'm meeting with her on February the 6th. So that one should be out sometime in that week of February uh, the 10th or the 14th. I do have a trip to the Philippines the very next day. So if I can hopefully maybe even make it home that night um, and then I can uh, edit it 
I could get it out even the same day, but that might be pushing it because I do fly to the Philippines the very next morning. But I'm going to try my best. Uh, hopefully we can just do it more. It's just uh, one long shoot or maybe just a few pieces to edit. Hopefully there's not a ton of editing we have to do for that. Um, but that's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you guys are checking out the Thrive Life Vodcast on YouTube. Again, RoarAlexander.com. You can find lots of stuff there. Roar Alexander on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Instagram. So anyways, guys, don't need to waste any more of your time talking about that. Let's get on to our interview on forest bathing or Shinrin Yoku as it's known as in Japan with Julia Plevin. All right, everybody. So I am here with Julia Plevin, founder of the Forest Bathing Club, joining me all the way from uh, sunny Palm Springs, California, the day before the day before Christmas. How are you doing, Julia? I'm great. Thank you. Excellent. So uh, here's a little bit of traffic on the way there from, oh, was it, what was it San Francisco to Palm Springs, was it? Yes. Yeah. Driving down from San Francisco. Uh, my parents live in San Francisco also. So I was in the back seat with them and just got to my sister's house. Okay. And then you're there for Christmas, I guess, there for a couple of days? Yeah. Ah, very nice. So you uh, you run the Forest Bathing Club out of San Francisco. Is that correct? That is correct. And how long have you been doing that for? Let's talk about, first of all, for the people that don't know what forest bathing is, which I'm sure is a lot. Now, the, the Japanese word for it is Shinrin-yoku, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. So how did you get into it? Let's go a little bit back and then find out about what forest bathing is, how you got into it, you know, all the, just everything there is. So just tell us your story. Amazing. Thank you. Okay. So I've always been a nature lover. In high school, I was the founder of something, the president of something called the Hiking Vikings. My high school uh, mascot was the Vikings. Um, went to college in New England, lived around lived in California, always loved hiking, surfing, climbing. But it wasn't until I moved to New York City for graduate school that the lack of nature just became this all-encompassing like itch I couldn't scratch. And I realized, I mean, I was also in a high-pressure graduate program, but I was becoming so anxious and stressed, and it was affecting um, you know, my nervous system. Anything I ate made me sick. And so my thesis in grad school became all about the mental health effects of being disconnected from nature. Okay, what were you taking in school again, sorry? Um, what was I taking? Yeah, what was your, you're writing a thesis, so what oh, was your... Oh, uh, yeah, so the, it was a, it's a design uh, program called Products of Design out of okay. the School of Visual Arts, yeah. Um, so a design thesis was, you know, making products, services, experiences, all related to um, how to reconnect to nature. Okay. Because what I found after, you know, all of these ways there's all these ways that being disconnected from nature affects us. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's like stress, anxiety, um, high levels of cortisol, everything from even like shopping addiction. So overusing, you know, like drinking too much is all can be traced back on some level to a disconnection from nature. Um, and so no matter what I read, the solution was always to connect to nature. Gotcha. You know, it was like, you know, it was like almost like too simple to be true, you know? Like, yes, for sure. People don't like the simple answers. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's like, it's not a, it's not like a medication. It's not, it doesn't cost you anything, right? You're just literally yeah. outside your door. Um, and so I wanted to, you know, I had all this 
this passion and this knowledge. And I, um, you know, this is kind of when forest bathing, which was actually the term Shinrin-yoku was, is from 1982 in Japan. And they started doing all this research and were able to scientifically prove the benefits of nature. And, um, so forest bathing is now a thing that's all over Japan. Uh, there's official forest bathing, uh, courses and there's guides. And I was actually in Japan over the summer and got to do one, which was really awesome. But I wanted to bring this back to, to California to see, you know, whether people, this is something that I needed, um, were there other people who are interested in it? Mm-hmm. So I just put up a meetup on meetup.com for his bathing club. And uh, people started joining. I hadn't even hosted a meetup yet when a reporter from Business Insider reached out to me and asked to cover it, for to report on it. So I was like, all right, I guess we're doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so since then, which was a couple of years ago, people have, you know, I've done... A, probably close to 50 forest baths. Um, and we've grown the community to about 2,000 people. And you just really sense that this is something that people are desiring right now. Yeah, no, for sure. So some of the, the things that I've read about it, like you had mentioned, it lowers stress cortisol. Um, there's improving working memory. Uh, people just generally saying they feel more alive. But there's also been some really interesting studies on the immunity effects and actually increasing in white blood cells. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. So um, a lot of the research in Japan was actually focused on phytoncides, which are the essential oils that trees give off. Okay. And, um, you know, so it's like, it's basically like an aromatherapy in the forest. And when you inhale this, it um, increases your NK, your natural killer cells, and actually um, has like anti-cancer properties and um, can even increase your, your IQ. Wow. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. So Japan has done a lot of studies, it seems, into this. Have you been over to Japan to go to any of these forests that they talk about at all or no? Yeah, I was actually there in August and oh, okay. um, did an official forest therapy course in Yoshino. Okay. And Yoshino, is that is that a forest or town? I, I don't know much about That's Japan. a town. It's a small town. Um in Nara, it's famous for cherry blossom. So it's like when people are really there in the spring for cherry blossom, but then the rest of the year, it can be pretty quiet. So what's really great is, uh, you know, advertising themselves as a forest therapy destination is actually good for tourism for the town too. Okay, very interesting. And now you said you take a course. So what, what to me, I'm just like, so... Let's start off with what is the difference between, let's start off with what's the difference between forest bathing and just hiking? Like, what, what, I don't, yeah. like what's the difference? Yeah, great question. Uh, so basically, so often, and you know, I'm a runner, so I'm like guilty of this too. I go, I love trail running, but you go into nature and you're moving so fast, um, or you're with friends and you're talking or you're listening to a podcast mm-hmm. and you never actually take the time to slow down and connect. So forest bathing is really about, you know, getting, turning off your phone, um, taking off your watch, getting quiet, um, opening, awakening your senses. So focusing on 
you know, what you can smell, what you can touch. Um, and it's not about, you know, how many calories you're going to burn or how far you're going to go. It's really just relaxing. It's going into nature with the conscious intention to relax and heal. Gotcha. So the difference is the hiking, I find, you know, quite often it's, um, you're either doing, like you said, for exercise to see how fast you can go, or you're going because you're trying to reach a particular like looking point or something. So I guess the difference really is mainly is in hiking, you kind of have a, a, uh, a goal. And then in forest bathing, your goal is just to enjoy the nature itself. Would that be correct? Exactly. I always say that um, when I lead forest fast, once people arrive and we're getting started, you know, you've already reached the destination, which is to get here, you know? Yeah. And so from now on, you know, there's, this is just the journey. Enjoy it. Um, yeah, exactly. Now, what about, uh, things like, do you guys do anything is, so when you go out there, so you take a walk, is it just like a leisurely walk? Nobody talks. Is that correct? There's no talking. Is that right? Right. So uh, when I lead them, there's actually, I call it like a, mindfulness yoga practice in nature so not yoga but the idea that I lead um there's certain exercises that you go through mm -hmm. to enable you to connect deeper so I always um like to start with about the first 15 minutes in silence just to give people time to check in with themselves and their surroundings and often that you know is just that alone is so powerful to people. Um, you know, especially I've done this with like high stress level uh, office workers. And that moment of silence of not, you know, even like at the office, like not having to be in a conversation or, you know, so often we feel just this like awkwardness around silence that will fill it. So just having that space, you know, I've had someone tell me this was the first time they experience silence and you know, like years of living in San Francisco. Hmm. Interesting. And then is there any kind of like, do you guys do like yoga or anything out there? Do you sit down? Is there anything you do? Is it laying down or is it just literally just walking? No. Yeah. So there's a bunch of different activations that, um, we may do. So for example, one is based on like a Qigong an energy, healing. So the idea is that, you know, we look at trees and we're like, trees aren't moving, but really, um, there's a constant flow of energy going through a tree and mm -hmm. it rises up from the earth. And then it also, it comes down from the sun, which creates, you know, through photosynthesis, the tree is absorbing energy. And, um, so it's a tree is at the same time grounded in the earth and very expansive. And we can do a similar kind of like it's an exercise to feel that groundedness as well as that expansiveness. So that's one example. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And then um, one of the things, is, is, there, is, it, is it negative ions that forests have? Do forests have extra excess negative ions? Is that a thing that with you guys too? Exactly. Okay. Uh-huh, yeah. And, and what do the negative ions do? Because a lot of people don't realize that there's always a difference between positive ions and negative ions. Can you tell us about the negative ion benefits maybe just a little bit? Yeah. Um, Negative ions just create positive vibes is one way to remember it. Yeah. But yeah, it'll uh, increase uh, serotonin and... Um, Which of course is going to increase your mood and make you feel better. 
Exactly. So, yeah, because I know the uh, one of the things that you can do, I mean, at home is just, you know, there's different ways. I guess the biggest times you get negative ions is after rainstorms. Uh, right. And then in the forest is another one. And then, of course, there's the also the uh, salt lamps that you can get at home. Although, from my understanding, you have to be sitting pretty close to that salt lamp. <laughs> <laughs> now, you had said you took a course. Uh, well, what, is, what is in a course? Because this will lead us into my questions about the certifications, because they can get pretty crazy. But what was in the course you took? Because yeah, to, so, to me, it sounds like okay. you, know, you just walk through the forest, and, there you, and you sit down, and you, you close your eyes, and you enjoy some time. But what, what more can you learn? Right. So um, the course that I took in Japan, that's just what they call it. Like they, have a, they call it. It's like the course is like the path that they design, and they designate. Okay. And so the one in Japan, um, you know, the kind of similar, well, they would, there's a guide and they lead you through some exercises at the beginning, explain, and then along the way they might stop, you know, like point out different leaves or stop for, you know, um, you know, put your feet in a stream or they even had like healing bento. So we'd sit on the ground and eat. Um, bento and had a space to meditate and so that their focus is on relaxation okay so they put an aspect of meditation in it as well is it like a silent kind of cross-arm meditation or is it what kind of meditation is it that they do the one that I went on was very non-prescript you know okay. it was uh they gave you a little blanket and they said go you know 10 minutes <laughs> sit and meditate and I think it was just however you wanted to do it Gotcha. Now, I was reading there that there are actual certifications, apparently. Um, and like, I'm just looking at one website here, and it's talking about an entire industry is cropped up around the practice of forest bathing. Um, tradition, sorry, uh, tuition uh, for those looking to become a fully certified forest bathing guides run upwards of over $3,000, not including lodging, travel, or Food, but apparently these courses, I guess to become a certified forest bathing guide, it says they're full. What, what, is, what is it? Who decided about the, the certifications, like especially in the U.S.? Like who, who is, do you know who has created these certifications? Yeah, um, it's actually a mentor of mine. His name is Amos Clifford. Okay. And uh, he's been a nature outdoor guide for much of his life. And... Um, I think when he found out about forest bathing in Japan was really excited about the potential, you know, cause it's part of a, of like a med of their medicine, of their medical, um, you yeah. Know, so like there's even like insurance on it and stuff like that. Right. So, um, we like had, he was curious, how do you do this in the U S and I guess when he was talking to various insurance groups, so like we would need thousands, at least a thousand certified guides. And so for him, that meant, all right, I'm going to create a certification program where there's a certain standard that guides, you know, and it's, it's a lot about guiding in nature is a lot about, um, you know, you're not, nature is the healer. And so you are facilitating the connection mm -hmm. and there's a lot about holding space and being able to, um, allow people to create and discover their own connection to nature. Gotcha. What kind of stuff would you learn in the, in, in, a, in a course? Do you know what kind of stuff that you would learn in it? Yeah. Well, so I haven't done this course. Mm -hmm. um, is I, cause I didn't came across and research forest bathing through other methods, but 
So I can't really speak to what you would learn in that course. Okay, no worries, no worries. Now, another thing, do you guys, I know, because we recently had on Dr. Emily Schippel, who is a very well-known barefoot uh, she's a proponent of barefoot training. Um, when you guys do your walks in the park, uh, sorry, walks in the forest, I should say, do you, do, mm-hmm. now, actually, question, do, do parks work as well or does it have to be in forests? Yeah, um, nature is all around us, you know, so whether it's the plant in your apartment or your backyard or the city park or wilderness, it's all nature. Um, but I guess, I so, guess. So, yeah, you can. The, sorry, go on. Go ahead. Yeah, so, you you know, there's there's benefits to being in an old-growth forest for sure, but, you know, it's better to be in nature than not, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I guess you want to get the um, quite the same amount of the, the negative ions out in a grassy park uh, without the trees because the trees, like you said, give off those uh, chemicals that help boost your killer cells where grass probably doesn't do the same thing, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what about barefoot? Do you guys do any barefoot stuff out there? Do you have your shoes on? Is there a time you kick off your shoes? Does it depend on who's running the walk? Like, what? How does barefoot training, or does barefoot, you know, while walking in the forest, come into play at all? Yeah, I always, I love to include um, barefoot time, barefoot, or even wearing moccasins, um, like shoes with a soft sole or leather sole is really helpful because you're able to. Um, soak up all of the available energy from the earth that way. Um, so it, yeah, it depends on, you know, the, the trail and the weather, but I always like to include some time just having people experience what it's like to walk barefoot. Um, you know, we forget that for most of human evolution, we or sat or slept or walked on the earth and now people can go you know weeks without ever making contact from it because you go from your apartment to your car to your office and you know the earth is it's it's like our home and so I had this really one woman on my forest bath last weekend said something really great she was walking around barefoot and she was like oh my gosh I wonder if this is how fish feel in water and birds (laughs) in the sky yeah (laughs) <laughs> you know, like a coming home, like, oh, wow, this feels so home. Yeah, it feels like home. Yeah, well, one of the one of the most interesting things that seems to be getting a lot of uh, publicity lately, um, I know just recently in California where there was a big convention, or, I don't know what they call it, convention or summit, the Longevity Summit, um, mm-hmm. so, like something like that. It was just last week, um, and it was about all the different stuff that people can do to live longer and live live healthier, which is kind of like really my focus when it comes to uh, mm-hmm. health and nutrition. And one of the big ones now we're talking about, you know, being out in the nature and then being barefoot um, is the research lately behind earthing or grounding. Um, are you into any of that earthing, grounding sort of stuff? Just kind of walking around in the wet grass. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I mean, the health benefits that it can rapidly reduce inflammation and chronic pain. Um, and it improves your energy and your sleep just from walking on the ground. Yeah, I know. They've actually done some brain scans and tons of stuff because I know Dr. Uh, Dr. Emily, she's very big on that too. Um, yeah, lots of it. So when I was just in India recently, actually, I was at a, uh, I was at a meditation kind of retreat called pyramid Mm -hmm. valley which is just outside bangalore and i did a lot of uh barefoot walking in the grass a lot of grounding now it's kind of an interesting one because there's you know there seems to be a lot of uh 
you know, there seems to be a lot of back and forth on it, especially, you know, you have the, you have the skeptics and then, of course, you have the people uh, on the other side. So I'm kind of in the middle about it. I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if it has anything to do, you know, read some of the sites and it actually talks about how it floods your body with uh, natural antioxidants and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then there's the other side that just says, well, just the fact is just kicking off your shoes, studies have shown, you know, just helps to lower stress, and even just going out for, just going out literally for even just a walk down the road um, helps lower stress. So I guess I'm kind of somewhere in the middle of that, but I am a huge proponent though of definitely being barefoot. I think it's a great way to be in it. And I mean, the, there's nothing like though kicking off your shoes and just walking through the sand or through the grass. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we have 200,000 nerve endings and the sole of our, soles of our feet, you know? So like, yeah. <laughs> and if people really don't think about it, it's like, it's the, we're wearing shoes and socks all day. If you really think about it, like the average person wakes up in the morning, right? Let's say they're, they're awake for mm -hmm. maybe an hour walking around on, you know, their, their carpets or their wood floors. And then they put on socks maybe within, within that first hour, maybe even half an hour. And then they put on shoes and then they're in shoes all day on their way to work, you know, driving in the bus or whatever. Then they're in shoes all day at work and they don't really kick off their shoes probably until, you know, they get home maybe around 6 or 7 p.m. And then they don't even kick off their socks until about 10 p.m. It's That's mm. just like wearing mittens for, you know, 16, 17 hours a day. Mm -hmm. right? it, it's really the same thing as wearing, like really, literally wearing not even a pair of gloves, but just a pair of mittens on your hands. And then it just, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me. I mean, it just, it's no different than if you were to wear mittens every single day. It's just crazy that people aren't getting this. Uh, you know, like you said, there's as many nerve endings in the feet as there are pretty much in your hands. So I just find it mm -hmm. crazy that so many people are just so, you know, the barefoot, not the barefoot, but, you know, the, um, the, I guess those, you know, those toe shoes, I forget what they're called, Vibrams and all that. I mean, that mm -hmm. sort of that minimalist shoes catching on, but it's still, it's still not nearly the same thing because you're not getting that direct contact. I mean, it's basically just taking your, going from mittens into gloves, but it still is not solving the, the problem really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how does one then, like, how long do you have to be then? Like, is it one of those things where you, do you have to spend two hours on the forces? The fact is, you know, a lot of people don't have a ton of time to spend on the forest, but can you get benefits in like 20 or 30 minutes? Like, do you know what any of the science is sort of saying? Or totally. what yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's been research that just looking at pictures of technology, like nature on your computer screen will relax you, you know, or looking out the window uh, hospital patients who have views of nature heal faster. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so it, it can be as little as that just five minutes of being in nature, your brain will start to, like your prefrontal cortex will start to relax. Um, some of the research from Japan said that two hours in nature, you have an immunity boost that will last up to 30 days. So, you know, obviously more nature is better, but it doesn't, it doesn't take a whole lot to get the benefits. Gotcha. So you suggest just starting off with even just like, say, 20 minutes of just walking through the local kind of park, some trees around. Is that a good place to start? Totally. I would even just say walking, you know, through a park on your way to work would help. Um, and kicking off those shoes for a few minutes. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Totally. And um, 
Uh, what was the next question I was going to ask you? I was yes, I was looking at one article and it was pretty interesting, and it basically said that uh, forest bathing is now where yoga was 30 years ago. Where do you see the? How do you see the the growth? Or uh, what do you think? Where do you think forest bathing and getting back into nature is going to go from here? Because you know, there's a lot of uh, like a friend of mine is actually doing a retreat called you know Disconnect to Connect. There's tons mm-hmm. of stuff out there. There's new books being written on you know the fact that we're just too connected to technology, where we've lost you know you got this whole like a no furniture movement going on um the barefoot mm-hmm. you know the barefoot shoes are getting thinner and thinner you got dr emily talking you know running around the world doing her barefoot certifications and then she's even got a new yoga well it's not a yoga mat but it's a it's a foot mat that's apparently very good for your feet then there's of course you know the talk about grounding sheets and different different ways to ground yourself yeah where do you see forest bathing uh this article seemed to think that it was going to become like the next yoga uh over the next 10 years where do you think it's how do you think it's going to grow yeah i completely agree that it's the most important thing that we as humans can do right now is reconnect to nature. Um, it's what is needed for our sanity. It's what's needed for, to be able to sustain life on the earth, you know, and heal the planet. Um, I think anything that leads us closer to nature is going to, is going to become the next big thing. Um, forest bathing, just the, you know, the energy around it is unlike anything I've seen. Um, Mm -hmm. the, the media loves it. There's been so much, um, you know, like different countries are on their tourism are advertising as forest bathing and earthing destinations. Like Costa Rica has an official, um, you know, like that's what they're trying to become a destination for forest bathing and earthing. Okay. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, you know we're growing the forest bathing club. We're going to start actually doing some some trainings in 2018 to for people who want to start their own branch of the forest bathing club so you where they start live. Franchising it if you wanted to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got to come up with your own logo though. <laughs> got to get. We a, have a logo. Oh, you got a logo. Yeah. Okay, well there you go. So yeah. once you become certified yeah. through you, maybe you get used to the logo and you can become a branch. Maybe I'll look into doing the forest bathing club Vancouver, right? Eh? Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, because we got totally. the I, I don't think about Vancouver. Uh, that's a nice thing about it. It's there's a lot of wilderness there. I mean, first of all, you have uh, Stanley Park, which is a huge park, but also lots of trees. And then, of course, you know Vancouver. You've probably seen the pictures. Very much like Seattle. Mm-hmm. It's sitting at the base of the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. So, so you have awesome. Squamish and Whistler. You have nothing but forest there. But let's talk about the people who maybe not be so lucky. What about the people that are in the middle of I don't know. Um, North Dakota, or the people that are in, you know, they live in downtown Chicago on Main and Third, and, you know, they they just can't get to a forest, you know, and there's maybe there's not even, only tiny parks. What can people do to maybe bring some of this home if they live in the middle of, I don't know, even say like Tokyo, right downtown Tokyo, what can they do if somebody's in, stuck in a concrete jungle? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, it's called forest bathing, and shoo, the forest aromatherapy is really good, but nature has healing benefits, you know, whether it's the ocean or the desert or wherever you are, mm-hmm. there's benefits to the nature. Um, like, even just, you know, how everything in nature is is fractal, and so even just, like, that relaxes your eyes, whether you're watching, um, 
you know, trees rustle in the wind or, you know, like it's as if it could be a tree on your city block and you can still take the time to slow down and, you know, touch the bark and look at the leaves and smell the flowers. Like it can be, it's really an attitude of what you're paying attention to. Yeah. I think if you maybe went out and got some, uh, plants i mean the fact is there's like nasa's for instance you know list of 10 plants that even just clean your air i mean you could just start with that and then the other thing that i'm a big fan of is uh, actually one of the things i have is an initiative um, and my goal is to upgrade sort of public parks and stuff like that by putting in um, i think more people just need to get outside like we talked about um but Mm -hmm. They have, like what you guys do is you guide people. I mean, it's one thing to say get outside, but then people just go outside and they don't know what to do. So I think it's it's good if we give them something to do. So it's nice that you have the tours. You know, they can go on the, the bathing walks with you. But I would like to really just see. Um, I think a really simple solution, and I don't see them. You see them here more in Asia, but you don't see them in North America very much at all. It's just some like reflexology footpaths. You know, mm. just even it's just mm-hmm. a circle of pebbles. I was just at a, I was just actually doing a course in Malaysia lately in the condo. I was there at what they call the Zen section. They had an entire reflexology footpath. I mean, you just get start walking around on that. I mean, it's just so great just getting all those different senses on your feet. So I think even if you just had at home, like some plants, like you said, some flowers, and you could even just get a pebble, like a pebble foot mat. You know, and you can totally, use these at yeah. your standing desk even, you know. I uh, just think little simple solutions like that. Because like you said, even there's even studies that just show that just literally getting into your bare feet and maybe getting your bare feet and, you know, rolling your foot on a ball or just stepping on some some novel, non-concrete, non-mar, you know, just flat, boring surfaces uh, can dramatically improve uh, your mental state as well. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. I love the idea of the path too. Like the designer in me is like, yeah, you could totally design, you know, um, like interventions in cities that give people some instruction on how to interact with nature. Exactly. I just think, you know, you see, go to your local park, which, you know, there's parks all over the place. You go to your little local park, but then there'd be, you know, it's, they don't have to be big. You're usually just like a circle. Um, or, you know, they're just a little path. They don't have to be longer than, you know, maybe 15 feet long. And, you know, you get a little plaque there that just tells you, you know, the benefits and what to do. You know, kick off your shoes, walk around on it for a few minutes and feel good. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just seems like a really, really simple solution to get people to kick off their shoes and walk around a bit. I mean, there's no thinking, there's no learning curve on it. (laughs) Oh, my God. When I was in Tokyo, actually, they have they had like a water fountain in the city where you could get a little, they like sold you a little mat and you got to sit on it by like the bank of the water fountain and dip your feet in. Oh, well, yeah. See, Asia, when it comes to that sort of stuff, I mean, Asia really is a lot more on it um, when it comes to than the West. I mean, you know, the West, well, I guess at the end of the day, our culture is only about 150 years old and it's so Mm -hmm. based, like we said, we have a very technology based where the, you know, Asia, uh, has a very traditional base. So there's a very big difference when it comes to that. And, you know, a lot of Americans and Canadians, Western people are just so, you know, they, they're just so driven by this, science proof you know and the fact mm-hmm. is yeah and yeah science you know you needed science but a lot of the times science is behind a lot of the times you know like people used to laugh exactly. and they would make fun of ayurvedic medicine and now your ayurvedic medicine is catching up huge because now there's studies coming to it so you get all these people all the time that are very skeptical and pessimistic of anything that doesn't have a proven study but what they have to realize is that maybe the study just hasn't proven it yet 
Um, you know, there's like, when you look at even like taking a cold water bath after training, athletes have sworn by it for, I don't even know how long, people have sworn by it for, I don't know, since the day of the Greeks, but athletes, mm-hmm. at least for the last hundred years, have sworn by it. Problem is the scientists said it doesn't work. Scientists have always said, nope, cold water doesn't work. Athletes said, we take a cold bath, we feel better after. It brings down inflammation. Scientists, mm-hmm. scientists looked at it and they said, no, it doesn't bring down inflammation. It doesn't help inflammation any faster than, you know, than having a hot shower. But what they now realize, and this was only like a year ago, they realized that, oh, the athletes were actually correct. Having a cold shower, so cold bath does help, but not in the way they think. It didn't actually bring down muscular inflammation necessarily but what it brought down was it quickly helped relieve the central nervous system so Mm. it's like we can't always say well if science hasn't said it's correct then it then it's then it it doesn't work because the fact is science is sometimes years behind so yeah yeah i'm glad you're saying this because i'm in the middle of writing a book about forest bathing and I'm talking a lot about, you know, like the spiritual benefits too. And my dad, who's more skeptical, is like, well, what about the science? Like, you're going to make sure that you include the science, right? You know? Yeah, no, it's, it's like, so, so many people are hung up on the science. Well, but, and it's, you know, it, I get it. There, there has to be some science. But, you know, I just find there's people that are too hung up on the science. Like the people that are running around, you know, all these people are saying, well, there's no proof that all these uh, artificial sweeteners and all these herbicides and pesticides are bad for you. There's such small amounts. There's no empirical evidence that shows they're bad for us. Well, mm-hmm. okay, the problem, maybe there isn't. But first of all, we don't have enough long-term studies because a lot of these things have only been around for 10 or 20 years. Second of all is sometimes it's we're looking at the wrong thing, like aspartame. Aspartame is a great example. So when aspartame first came out, you know, everybody was thinking, oh, it gives you, it's going to give you brain cancer. There are always theories about how aspartame gives you brain cancer, mm. uh, gives you tumors. And then they found out that wasn't true. I mean, the fact is that it's not true. It doesn't give you brain cancers because if it did, the rise in number of brain tumors would have gone up because there's so much aspartame. So now you get all these skeptics that are saying, see, there's absolutely nothing wrong with aspartame. Well, now, unfor- now what they're doing, though, is they've realized that, oh, it probably actually has a major effect on the gut biome, something we weren't looking at a few years ago. So science isn't always mm. right. So for all those skeptics out there, they got to realize sometimes science is looking in the wrong spot. So <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah, totally. And the gut biome, another magic of nature is soil, like dirt actually, has so many benefits to the uh the bacteria and in soil has a lot of benefits to the bio, to the microbiome the gut and of course they're now starting to understand the connection between the gut and the brain and you know how like when we've gone so clean right we live in these very sterile ingredient environments yeah. and actually they're making us sicker yeah like we sure. have more autoimmune issues and yeah, for sure. I know there's a big movement right now towards the um, SBOs or the soil-based organisms, um, which is a uh, you know because you have your uh, you have your regular probiotics, which is your uh, you know your ones from the the lactic acid from milk and the kefir and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then there's the ones now, and of course there's a lot of you know back and forth on it. But the, the soil base where people are saying uh, exactly like you know we've been taking our fruits and vegetables and we've been washing them and we've been bleaching them and we've been cleaning them so much that back in the day you know a hundred years ago we just picked a carrot you know out of the field and we brushed it off on our pants and we ate it. Right. Uh, and now we're not doing that anymore. So there's talk about you know you got some doctors that are really promoting the use of you know 
SBO organisms, you know, pills, the capsules, I guess I should say. But then you got other people who are saying, well, maybe that's not the best idea because I think the only problem with the SBOs right now, I do agree with you 100%. I think we need to do it. And if here in Asia, when you mm -hmm. buy eggs and stuff like that, sometimes they still have the feathers on them. You know, well, um, so there's, mm -hmm. there's stuff like that. But one of the problems is we don't quite know which SBOs are good for us and which are not, you know. So that's the only thing that, that, that we got to figure out right now. But 100% I agree with you that, you know, <laughs> I think we need to, you know, pick more vegetables out of the garden and just eat it without washing it and sterilizing it and hitting it with UV light and an x-ray, you know, <laughs> before we eat it. Yeah. So, and I love like pick, pick vegetables because gardening is another thing, like having your hands in the dirt is. It's really good for us too. Oh, 100%. Well, that's, you know, one of the reasons they say, you know, babies develop immune systems is because, you know, they pick everything off the ground and, you know, they're always got their hands in the ground and they have hands in their mouths, you know? Right. So all the time your right. baby's got his toy and it, so, you know, we look at it, you know, if we took our, his toy, we probably could take it to a, a research lab and they say, okay, it's got 785 different bacterias on it, you know, I should throw it away and bleach it. But the fact is that's how children build their immunity. I mean, that, that's how it's done. So if you raised mm -hmm. a kid in a sterile environment, you'd have a really sick adult. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what is, yeah. your, what is your book? Of, so tell us more about your book. When's it coming out? What's it about? How far are you into it? Yeah, so um, the book is about forest bathing. It's, mm -hmm. my manuscript is due in a month. So I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm in this place right now. I'm doing a lot of writing. And writing is such an in-your-head activity, but going to nature is all about to get us out of our heads, right? Like, so I'm getting anxious and stressed. I have a deadline coming up and then I'm actually using my own medicine. I'm like, no, I got to chill out. I got to go walk on the earth, touch some trees, yep. <laughs> take a break. Um, <laughs> Maybe write your book in the forest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But so it's going to be coming out spring 2019. Okay, very nice. Now, are there any books on it right now? I know there's one. Uh, I don't know if it's about forest painting exactly, but there's the book called Your Brain on Nature. Have you read that one? Is that the Richard Louvre? It, um, I've... It's uh, Eva. It's an Eva Salub and Alan Logan. I'll just give you the... Uh, Your Brain on Nature examines the fascinating effects that exposure to nature can have on the brain. Scientific studies have shown... So it's all about natural environments and, and the brain. It's walking in nature, positive emotions, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, I haven't read that one. Um, and Alan Logan, is that? It's, no, that's not who you talked about earlier. Okay, so you haven't read that one, but you said there was another one you knew about? Yeah, there's um, The Nature Fix by the Florence Williams is a really good one. Okay, very nice. And then uh, and then your book, again, are you allowed to say what it's called yet or you've got to keep it secret for now so nobody steals your title? <laughs> yeah, it's a secret for now. Okay, it's a secret for now. Perfect. And you said that comes out in 20, what would you say, 2019? Spring 2019, yeah. Okay, so we're still quite a bit away from that. Um, do you have a blog or where can people kind of follow stuff right now while they wait for your book in a year and a half? Yeah, the best thing to do would be to go to forestbathing.club. Mm -hmm. Forestbathing.club, okay. Yeah, and um, there's a way from there to sign up to join the club and then you'll be on the um email newsletter and you know we also we're on instagram at the forest at forest bathing club so there's there's ways to connect and we're we're growing the community right now so we're really trying to to me it's as much about building a community and so as people sign up they can um sign up for a phone call too and they'll either get a call with me or um 
my partner and we'll really get to know who these people are and what their desire is in connecting to nature. Okay, very nice. And then um, do you, now besides running it just in um, it's San Francisco, correct? That's where you do yours right now. Do you ever exactly. do like, have you ever considered maybe doing like a traveling tour? Like I know some yoga people do these things where they travel around to different cities and they do yoga classes. Have you ever thought about doing a, a forest bathing tour? Yes, all, all the time. <laughs> you, get... <laughs> you thought about it or you've actually done it? <laughs> no, we've thought about it. Okay. Um, we're getting a lot of requests for the East Coast. Um, and then would love to do some, you know, there's so many awesome eco, like, retreat centers now that would be so great to offer forest bathing at. Yeah, for sure. So now, are you going to offer some sort of um, certificate as well, or some sort of certification as well, or are you just, or is it more just for people, just for their own use? Like, because you know, if you did a tour, you might be able to do some kind of course along with it. So exactly, yeah. There's going to be different level. You know, you can just join events to get a taste for it, and then if you want to, you know, take what you learn and do it on your own, or come back for events, that's great. If you want to go deeper, we're going to be developing immersive programs um to either start to lead or guide yourself um or just you know nature is a way to get clear on your intuition and um really understand like yourself better it's like i call you connect to outer nature but you also connect to your inner nature mm. and so if there's people who want to just you know have some self-growth and self-discovery we're going to have immersion programs for that too awesome and where else is there a facebook do you have a facebook page for your uh for your club then what's that one just yes. the forest bathing club facebook page is it mm -hmm. okay yeah, forest bathing. and the instagram or anything else like that right now or is it just facebook and website right now we are on instagram at forest bathing club Perfect. Okay. So um, I guess that probably is going to wrap it up. I mean, uh, I think we've covered quite a bit. We're going on about 40, uh, 40 minutes right now. I can't think of anything more. Lots of interesting stuff when it comes to getting out in nature. Um, what's your kind of take-home message for everybody? If you could tell them, like, the, what's your big message if you could tell everybody that's listening right now? Yeah, that's a very great question. My take-home message is, just to get out in nature. And it doesn't matter if it's as little or as much. It's really about shifting your attention. Um, it's if you have a plant in your house to touching the plant, walking in the grass. It's what we talked about, just the really simple ways mm -hmm. to start to shift your attention. Because it don't have to be going to these old growth forests. It can be really just anywhere. Yeah, it could just be a stone. It could just be a stone pebble in a, in a flower in your house. <laughs> Great. Great. Okay. Well, I will definitely uh, connect with you uh, when I get back to Vancouver in May or June, and maybe we could start the uh, Vancouver chapter of the Forest Bathing Club. That sounds so great. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, thank you again for being on the show and hope you have a great Christmas. Again, thank you for joining us. I know it's the day before, the day before Christmas over there. So <laughs> most people right now are like, yeah, we won't bother talking to you until the new year. So yeah, big, huge thanks for uh, joining in today. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. Thank you. Talk to you again.